Alright. Alright, what's up everybody? Today we're going to talk about how to eat whatever you want and how to stay lean. Uh, before you guys think I'm just using clickbait statements, which is kind of clickbaity. Um, there's a lot of nuance and context to today, so it's not like you can just eat whatever you want, whenever you want, and still somehow stay lean. I'm going to just basically give you guys some practical tools that you can use to integrate these so-called cheat meals or weekends out or vacations or having more flexibility in the diet and so forth, right? So I kind of broke down. I have some notes here. Um, it's just like five things that I wanted to kind of break down to kind of help you guys mitigate some of those things and really just to open up the conversation. Um, a lot of people know someone or multiple people that they feel like they have a lot more flexibility in their diet or they see the athletes on TV that are eating Skittles and somehow still have abs. Um, and I want to kind of go over how that happens, right? But before I get into some of the details of how to do it, the, one of the kind of responses that I tend to get from this is like, well, there's obviously a huge genetic advantage, right? And there is, right? I do not want to discredit that the fact that there is a genetic advantage to it. I would actually be part of this crowd. I'm someone that's a hard gainer. I stay leaner. I have a hard time putting muscle on. Um, so I'm kind of on the other end of the spectrum versus someone that's trying to lose weight, which makes it easier if I wanted to, to have uh, more carbs or more sugar or more desserts or things like that in my diet, not necessarily go overboard from a body composition. I feel it in a lot of different ways other than composition changes dramatically, but uh, that's not what we're going to talk about today. Today, we're going to talk about like from a composition standpoint, how can I still have that in the diet? Um, so the genetic thing I do want to just bring up because it is important, but I want you guys to remember genetics are probably the only thing out of today's conversation that you actually cannot control right um epigenetics or basically the you know you can express genes through lifestyle changes right and that's the things that we always need to focus on because i think a lot of people sometimes get hooked on the things that really you can't control and there's no point in doing that because you're wasting energy and you're stressing out about something that you actually have zero control of right so today we're going to focus on the things that you can do to actually build in some flexibility to the diet. And uh, that's kind of where I actually wanted to start with some of these things is kind of figuring out like a, you know, flexible dieting or counting your macros or calorie counting. All these things I think really became popular because it gave us the ability to still have the desserts or the sweets or to eat out and not just be this robot eating certain types of foods. Um, I think this probably would be a separate podcast on kind of your mindset towards your food selection so you don't develop these bad relationships with food and become someone that's just a robot counting calories or macros or aka calling yourself a flexible dieter. Um, but I do want to just bring it up because I think a lot in the summertime, even for myself and a lot of clients, is like they tend to be going out more, eating more desserts or drinking more. So it's like Okay, give me the protocols that help me kind of build that in so that moderation stays there. And when you look at moderation, like, you know, I personally preach the 80-20 rule for a lot of things, um, just like a lot of other people do, meaning that like 80% of my diet is food that I shop for or my girlfriend shops for from Whole Foods or Farmer's Market. We cook dinner most nights for ourselves. We meal prep for the next day. We do breakfast at home. Uh, and so we're controlling the ingredients. We're controlling how it's cooked. We're controlling the quality of food. Um, and that is the 80% that's really built for our goals and my health. And the other 20% is eating out, drinking red wine every night, um, having dessert. I had some ice cream last night after dinner. Like, how, But that 20% sometimes could become 30% or 40%. And when you're being stricter, it could be 10 or 20. Um, so to kind of jump into it right away, 
I wanted to really just bring up the thing that, and this is, I, I don't, I didn't put these in any order, but number one, I put focus on protein is when it comes to dessert foods or your cheat meal foods, they tend to be heavier on carbs and fats. They tend to be lower on protein and fiber, right? So when I put focus on protein and I did kind of put fiber, that's kind of a side note, but I guess I'll bring it up for both of these is those are the two things that most quote unquote, and I don't want like cheat meal can be kind of a weird thing for people. Um, but quote unquote can be things that are not going to be dominant in most cheat meals, right? Or most snack foods or desserts, right? Like for me, I had ice cream last night. Ice cream is high in fat and it's high in sugar. Um, so if I'm eating a lot of fat and sugar, aka carbs in my diet, and then I go and have those things, I'm probably going to be overdoing my carb intake or overdoing my fat intake. So when you look at it in the macro point of view, we have to think about, okay, there's a, there's a net kind of calorie goal that we need to be hitting, right? Then inside the calorie, there's more of a composition goal, which is like how much protein am I getting? How much fat am I getting? How much carbs am I getting? Um, and then water, alcohol, and fiber kind of being the hidden three macros that no one else talks about. Um, and then we got to get into the kind of the deeper level, which is kind of the nutrient density, which is the micronutrients, right? And obviously that's a lot harder to count um, or track. This is why, I mean, that's the side conversation, but this is why we like to focus on foods that are more nutrient dense, right? So eating more animal protein, nose to tail, eating more veggies, eating more fruit, um, some nuts and seeds, like think, things that are going to bring more nutrient value to you, right? So when it comes to cheat meals, number one is focus on the thing that the cheat meal is not providing, right? And make that the priority for the rest of the day. So if you know you're going to go out at night and you're going to go have some beers and dinner with a friend or you got a, a party during the day on Saturday or barbecue you're going to, like whatever it is, like if there is the ability to plan for it, and then plan your day before and after to kind of make up for what you're not getting. Because think about it this way. If you had to eat 3,000 calories in a day, right? And you knew you were going to maybe go over by 1,000 calories because this wedding party is going to have cake. It's going to have ice cream. It's going to be alcohol. And a lot of that is just going to be coming strictly from carbs. What I want to do is I want to still try to focus on hitting my quota for protein. So for me, it's like I'm trying to hit 160 to 180 grams of protein a day. I still try to always make that my priority of the day, no matter what, even if I know I'm going out. So the meals prior are going to be very protein heavy, very fiber heavy. So more veggies, more fruits. So this way, when I do kind of quote unquote slip, I have more of a budget to spend and let go. So that would be number one is just always focus on what your cheat meal is not providing and make that the priority always, but a lot of it being before and after kind of maybe this quote unquote event, right? Um, second thing is I love the earn your carbs lifestyle or earn your kind of cheat meal mindset. Now there's some people that kind of talk in the, um, man, how would I say this politely slash correctly in the, the binge eating, the eating disorder, the body dysmorphia, the mindset space that surrounds that and kind of the coaching they say, Oh, you don't have to earn anything. And you know, you don't have to treat food like that. And I don't want to shoot that down because that's not false. But for me and most people I like to work with, just the type of clients that I think I worked and been the best with and men the best with is going to be people that like kind of like this philosophy because what it does is it gives you encouragement to go work harder to treat yourself, right? Like I know when I'm working my ass off, I feel really good about a vacation. I know when I'm training really, really hard, I don't feel that bad about having beers on the weekend or feel bad about having extra dessert on the weekend. Because I know I've done a good enough job of earning it, right? So for me, like to earn your carbs or earn your cheat meal, um, you know, when I used to do show prep and uh, men's physique competitions, 
I used to have it every leg day. So generally for me, like my big leg day was on Friday and my coach would go let me have as much as I wanted for minute. I was like, I would get two burgers, two fries, a shake and a pink lemonade with seven up. So a lemon up. And that was always kind of my cheat meal. And obviously cheat meals could be different for everybody. And that was when I was being very strict. I only had one of those a week. And, uh, but the thing is like, I always made sure I did it on my biggest energy expenditure day. Right. And I know this is going to be something that in the perfect world, if you were planning for it, makes it really easy. Now, a lot of times these slip ups, um, they happen kind of organically and like unplanned and that's okay. Um, but the more that you can kind of benefit yourself by earning these things, by doing the work on the front end and actually, you know, expending the energy, the more budget you have to be able to eat more. Right. And that's always my favorite way is like if you're someone that wants to eat more food, then do things that get, allow your body to burn more during the day, more activity, more muscle mass, so on. Right. So that would be number two for me. Number three is uh, walking after meals and moving more, which is kind of piggybacking on what we just talked about. But the walking after meals, I've talked about this on a lot of podcasts. Um, I'm someone that preaches the that the most underrated tool in the world, I think, is walking. Um, and I think it's just so overlooked because I used to look at it the same way when I first started training. It was like, oh, walking's for old people. You don't need to walk. Walking, I think, is literally the best medicine that you can do for your posture, for aerobic activity, for heart health, for stress reduction, um, the whole nine yards, right? Like, I don't, there's not really much that walking doesn't do, but really from like a blood sugar mitigation aspect of it and a cal- caloric burn aspect of it, if you're having a bigger meal, we want to try to mitigate some of the side effects that maybe that bigger meal will provide. So taking a walk after your bowl of ice cream or moving around instead of sitting down uh, are great ways to help mitigate blood sugar uh, so we can improve insulin sensitivity a little bit. We can burn a little bit more calories just through general movement. We can help the digestive system kind of uh, be more effective. And these are all things that just kind of mitigate some of the effects. It doesn't just completely cancel out that 1,000-calorie ice cream or pint of ice cream you had, but it's going to help some of it, right? Um, so that's kind of part of the earning your aspect of it a little bit more too. Second one or third one I have, or well, I don't know what number I'm on. I, just don't, I, don't, I don't even have these numbered, so eating windows. Um, when I tend to have bigger nights, um, where I have a lot of calories or I drank a lot more, or I ate a shit ton of food or a lot of sugar, I try to make my eating window either the following days, or if I know that something's coming planned, make it even more aggressive that day of, um, I try to make them a little bit more strict, right? But remember the cool thing about intermittent fasting, and I had this on a podcast, you know, probably a month ago. Um, a lot of benefits outside of it, but really one of the cool things is it allows you to kind of structure your eating. And when you skip breakfast or you skip quote unquote dinner or whatever meal that maybe you're skipping or consolidating into that eating window, you technically are just making it easier to stay in a caloric deficit. Um, and a caloric deficit is where all the, obviously, uh, the results come from, from a weight loss perspective, um, and a fat loss perspective. Like we need to be in some level of a deficit for that actually to be able to kind of be a process that works well or works at all, not even well. Um, so eating windows, like just making them more strict every once in a while, right? So like, let's say I have a big Saturday night. Maybe I'm going to make Sunday a day where I just have a lot of protein and a lot of fiber and I'm going to have maybe one meal or maybe I have two meals. So I tend to be more strict on myself after those days, right? And you don't have to look at this as punishment. Like you're not working out so you can go eat, right? You're not eating less forcefully so you can make up for what you did. It's just 
that's a mindset thing that I think a lot of people have a problem with. Like you're just doing it in order for your body to stay a little bit more organized on what the overall goal is. If my overall goal is to lose weight and my overall goal is to build muscle and the overall goal is to stay lean, but my also my goal is to have some sustainability, then you need to make these adjustments along the way and don't look at it as punishment. Look at it as just that's the protocol that you have set for yourself because of what you did or what is coming up. Um, so having stricter eating windows is going to make it easier to stay in a little bit more of an aggressive caloric deficit on that following day, right? So if I go a thousand calories over and I'm maybe 500 calories the next two days less, then cool. You're still net even for what you wanted for a goal for the week. Um, and I think from a caloric standpoint and a weight loss perspective, sometimes it's easier to look at things from a weekly perspective than it is a daily perspective. Um, and that's different for everybody. There's obviously a lot of nuance to that as well, but trying to find something that works for you the best and the most sustainably will always be my biggest piece of advice for you guys, right? So controlling and adjusting some of the eating windows, right? So if you have a big Saturday, maybe making Sunday a one or two meal day and make it really focused on protein and fiber heavy, um, and then go right back to your normal day on Monday, right? Or whatever it is, like wherever you feel like you slipped, like, okay, I had a lot of extra carbs or a lot of extra calories, I had a lot of extra, whatever it is, those are the things we want to take away from the following days or the day prior or the day of, if it's something that is planned. Um, building more muscle. Building more muscle, I think, is one of probably the easiest gateways to give you guys more flexibility to not only be able to be more insulin sensitive to help with blood sugar mitigation, um, not to be more metabolic because muscle itself is very metabolic, meaning it burns more calories at rest without you doing anything. Muscle is like passive income, right? It's like money that makes itself even when you sleep, right? Um, cardio bunnies is what I like to call them or whatever you want to call yourself. The people that only do cardio, you get a lot of your caloric burn during your exercise activity, but not much after being someone that does strength training with some cardio, like you get the benefit of building muscle and muscle is very metabolic and you get a little bit more of the quote unquote, what people like to call the afterburn. Um, and so when it comes to having more flexibility in the diet, I think it's really important to understand that like the more muscle you have, the more flexibility you can get. Um, and this is why we see professional athletes. This is why we see bodybuilders that could eat four or 5,000 calories and still stay lean. Um, granted, there's probably some performance enhancing drugs that are definitely part of that equation. But, um, you know, you want to you wanna have a lot of muscle mass to be able to, to kind of give you a buffer zone to play with. Um, the people that don't have a lot of muscle mass or the people that are not insulin sensitive or the people that are not metabolically flexible, they just have less budget and less buffer to kind of get away with. Um, and then you're that person that goes on vacation for a week and be like, man, I gained 10 pounds or whatever it is, right? Um, and that might have happened no matter what anyways. But so building more muscle via A, having a lot of protein and B, having enough strength training input coming in from a minimum of three days, ideally maybe looking at four. Um, like that needs to be something that's an essential step for people that want to have more flexibility in the diet and especially an essential step for people that want to stay leaner because being more muscular it's going to allow your body to burn more fat at rest. It's going to allow your body to have the perspective look aesthetically of being leaner. Um, you can have the same body fat percentage with 20 pounds less muscle than me, and I will look leaner than you because I have more muscle development. So that's always a big piece. Um, adjusting your meals for what your cheek contains. Uh, I think I kind of talked about this already, but whatever. I'm just going through my notes here. Um, adjusting meals for what your cheat contains is basically like what I was saying earlier that like a lot of cheats, uh, meals, or a lot of desserts, a lot of things that quote unquote would be the flexible items. They tend to have a lot of carbs. They tend to have a lot of fats. So what you should be doing is taking more carbs and more fats away from the previous or post days from it. Um, so you can make those adjustments 
that you can still kind of stay within a level of macro that you maybe have set for yourself if you're doing macros. Um, you obviously can adjust caloric aspect of it, but more importantly, like you have to remember, and like this is my biggest piece of advice for anybody nutritionally. If you were to make majority of your diet focused around animal protein, nose to tail being ideal, so you're getting some organs in there, you're getting some bone broth in there, because I think you just get a little bit more of the nutrient density from that, but whatever, at least the muscle meat. Um, second thing is then obviously thing eating things that are fibrous carbohydrates, right? Things that come from planet Earth. So that would be your vegetables, that would be your fruits, that would be your nuts and seeds, and ideally trying to do things that are A, easy on your gut, and B, seasonal. If you made majority of 80% plus of your diet on that, it's really, really, really hard to fuck up. So when it comes to the cheat meal aspect of it, it's no different. Make the times that you are eating on your non-cheat item or meal, make them protein and fiber centric. Because if you can make majority of the focus around that being those two things, you're going to get way more benefit from what you're doing and especially for what your goals are. Uh, so that needs to be the big thing is understanding that like, Carbs and fats, especially together, are very easy to overeat because some of the neurochemistry gets – you basically, in a sense, trick the body a little bit. Um, but also, you're just not getting the nutrients from those foods. Like having ice cream doesn't really give me a lot of nutrients. Um, it gives me a lot of satisfaction because it tastes amazing, but it doesn't give me a lot of nutrient value, right? So if I make the rest of my day, like I ate pretty solid yesterday. So for me, I wasn't worried about having ice cream because I definitely hit my protein quota yesterday. I definitely had a lot of nutrients, had a lot of fruits, a lot of vegetables. I was hydrated. You know, I have my coconut water. I have my electrolytes. Like I have my exercise of the day. I had a good workout. So I wasn't bad. Like, and I think that's the most important thing that I want to wrap up with today is like when you look at cheat meals, don't look at it as a loss. Look at it as part of the plan. Um, it's like going into business and not expecting to fail at something like failure is going to be part of the plan. We're just going through the ebbs and flows of being more successful and more strict and sometimes a little bit more relaxed and kick back and that's okay. But like adjusting for what you're doing and adjusting for what your goals are is the most important thing. So always coming back to why am I doing this? What's really important to me? And B, when you look at what's important, you also look at what's sustainable for you. Because at the end of the day, we all want to be millionaires. We all want to be rich. We always want to have the perfect relationships. Um, but maybe that's not the most sustainable thing for your lifestyle and the willing the amount of sacrifice that you're willing to give it. Um, and if that's really the issue, then that's okay, right? So having the so-called cheat meals or having these so-called food slips, maybe things that would be outside of what we would quote-unquote put. I like to use this quote-unquote because it's very sensitive words for people sometimes. Um, healthier options versus unhealthier options, however you want to look at it. Um, it's okay. It should be a part of the routine. And one thing that I've talked about in the nutrition space, but a lot of just coaching for me in general, is think about everything as kind of this continuum-based approach, right? Meaning things are good or things are like better and worse, not good and bad, right? If you look at foods as good and bad, you already have kind of a poor mindset and a poor approach to how you're eating. Um, and that can, over time, create these unhealthy relationships or these food disorders or eating disorders or this body dysmorphia because you choose to look at it in the wrong lens. Not that it's not real, but it's how you view it. So understand that this stuff is going to be a part of making a diet, quote unquote, once again, a nutrition plan more sustainable for you. And if having ice cream or having beer or having red wine or having whatever, you know, for me, cinnamon rolls probably is going to be the top of the food chain for that one. Um, those are things I want to have in my diet. I know I can't have them all the time and I know I need to earn them and I know I need to do all these other things that I talked about today to make it work for my body because I do want to be lean. I do want to be healthy. Um, and I'm someone I wants to practice what I preach with and what I do, but 
moderation is everything, right? And so you need to be able to kind of figure out what works best for you that still allows you to achieve the result you want. And even if that result is moving a little slower than you want, as long as it's moving the right direction, that's all you should care about. Um, the intensity and the pacing of it, like, that's up to you. Like, if you have a very strict goal where you need the intensity and you want a really fast pace, then go for it. I'm just going to tell you from personal experience for myself, I'd rather take the slow route going the right direction um, versus, like, being really intense and falling off, plateauing, going backwards, being really intense and doing that cycle because that just sounds mentally exhausting to me, right? So, all right, guys. Well, I hope this helps as always. Try to keep it short for you guys. Really something that's more nutritionally focused, um, something I think it's important to talk about and think about for everybody in nutrition when it comes to summertime because naturally we're kind of surrounded by more parties, more alcohol, more outdoor activities, um, do these things that I went through today to kind of help you balance out that understand that moderation is going to be a part of the journey and part of the process. And if you can just literally build that moderation in a more controlled structure fa uh, fashion, then you'll be in a lot better place than where someone that's not planning or organizing at all, right? If you're just kind of shooting from the hip all the time, naturally becomes more disastrous. And remember this, as you build intuition over time, it's easier to kind of do it on the fly and adjust kind of like how I'm doing. Um, not to put myself on a pedestal, but I've been doing a lot of self-exploration when it comes to my health and my body for a long time because um, this is really what I'm passionate about. For those that are kind of newer to this journey or struggling maybe, use the objective data, build some structure, plan, write them down, use a friend, use a coach. Like The more systems that you can put in place to organize that process and really pay attention to how you feel, your intuition behind that will grow. And then you can start to back off from some of the systems um, and some of the data and start to kind of in a sense, wing it a little bit, right? Um, all right, guys. Well, I hope this helps. As always, if you like this one, leave us a nice review. Share it with somebody. We just got actually a new member that we signed up. So welcome to the gym, Kathy, that she came from the podcast as well. So for everyone listening to this, I love you guys. Listen to it. I hope you guys get good things out of it. Um, and have a great weekend. See you guys.